We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Moose and Roots podcast. This is episode 83 of the pod. Uh, getting things off here. Keep it together over there. Ceremonious note. No, that's you keep it together. You lock it up. You started uh, this. We got a lot of talk about today. Let's not have Bears another production loss. meeting on air, Joe. We might have to. We might have to have a couple little interim uh, maybe production our, maybe meetings. Maybe that's a new segment, pro- just production. It's just called the production we, we, meeting. We, we start the po- I start recording like five minutes early, and we just have, we, we have our production meeting. Talk about what we might talk about. That's yeah. just content. That's just I, good content. Give the people what they want. Uh, the people wanted a Bears win. Uh, that's what they wanted, and I think that uh, we can we can come at this from a number of different directions. But the uh, the glaring mistake that I think led to a loss was made before the clock even started. And I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but mm-hmm. uh, I think this is a game that if Mitch Trubisky was healthy, and I understand trying to get him back to a hundred percent, but if he was healthy, and you understand that you need this win, I think this is a game that Mitch Trubisky needed to start because. When you're talking about backup quarterbacks, Chase Daniel over the last two weeks has done exactly what you ask of a backup quarterback. Win one, win one lose win one. Win one, lose one. That's what backup quarterbacks do. That's what good backup quarterbacks do. And it's a shame that the lose one had to happen um, in New York where a win one is, is one, of the, that's one of the easiest wins you're going to have all season. But, uh, Matt, what would you take away from the Bears' loss this weekend? It's weird. I, w- I, I talked about this with my both my brothers after the game. Like, they kind of asked me, what did you think of the games? I, I felt myself feeling more annoyed than I was angry, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And I think part of that was, you know, the, the Packers lost as well. Obviously, the Lions don't really matter, but they lost. And the Vikings were in New England. So it's not like – I don't want like, – it would have been a nice one to win and gain a game was on, on Minnesota. Throw. But it, it's also – I mean, the fact that all those teams ended up losing as well does help it a little bit. But I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, they got kind of greedy. They got caught mm-hmm. trying to steal an extra win and get you know Mitch perfectly healthy, which you know if in the long run this does work out and they make the playoffs, they have that home game in the first round, great. But if not, you're definitely going to be looking back at this one. But I think he touched on it. I mean, Chase Daniel wasn't good by any means. He also wasn't terrible. He made the the one awful throw. He had trouble with the snaps later on, but I, I think that's some stuff that you do kind of tend to expect from backup quarterbacks. I think honestly, the bigger issue for me was the defense in the second half, like. They gave the Bears gave you exactly what you expected, like you said, a backup quarterback to give you on offense. Uh, I just thought in the second half the defense really struggled to contain Saquon Barkley, can uh, contain Odell Beckham Jr. Whether that was throwing the ball or or catching it, um, and and they kind of let Eli Manning, Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley, and Odell Beckham Jr. beat them. And this is becoming what what I thought was it was the other Shepard. Yeah, <laughs> they got two Shepherds now. Okay. Sorry. Um, I, I didn't realize that I, before this, the Bears had always kind of been playing with leads going into the second half. And yeah. a lot of my thought was like, okay, you know, they're just going to get conservative, conservative defensively, not letting anything get behind them. That's why teams are kind of chunking on them. And this was a little bit of a disturbing trend for me because this confirmed maybe that it was more so that teams are adjusting and the Bears are struggling to adjust back defensively. Uh, I know the Giants aren't a good team, but there is a lot of talent there offensively. But that's that's starting to become a concern for me. It's something that I hope in the next couple of weeks, especially against the Rams here, that they need to get figured out is that second-half defense because they've been losing second-halves quite quite regularly here these last few weeks. Yeah, the, the defense has to put together a full four quarters, and I think the offense was a bit hampered when you're talking about going conservative. I think the offense went very conservative in, in the play calling, especially mm-hmm. in the first half. It was almost a yeah. foil there. Um, uh, you know, you want to minimize Mitch, Trib- or excuse me, uh, Chase Daniels' Chase mistakes. Now. You want to put him in the fewest op- the fewest positions to make bad decisions. And I think that led to them getting away from what has really been their success. And then you see them open it up in the second half, start moving Tariq Cohen around pre-snap, mm-hmm. start doing some some little gimmicky things, and, and and the offense opens up, and the points start coming. That's who you are offensively. That's who you're going to be, whether you're trying to take the air out of the ball or you're trying to come back from a 10-point deficit. Success is going to be found in these wrinkles in the game, not in your off-tackle, not in your ISO. And it's not a knock on Jordan Howard. 
you know, the guy has not been able to build any momentum because it's just not what the playbook looks like anymore. No, and- it, it, it's it's not geared towards a 27 touch back. It, it just isn't anymore. And they went that direction in the first half and it didn't work out. Yeah. I, it, this is, this is more of an offense where it, I know the old saying goes in football, the, the run game opens up the pass game a little bit or opens up the play action. I think this offense is kind of almost the opposite. Vice versa, when the Bears yeah. get people spread out, they get the ball moving around, you know, outside to different options. They get people moving in, in motion, pre-snap stuff. That's going to get defense off their toes. That's when you can kind of jump on them with, you know, Jordan Howard up the middle on a dive or inside zone, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Nagy says he loves to run the ball, and I really do believe that. But I think they just got to get, and he has to get a little bit more creative with the ways that he does it. Um, yeah. I, I agree with you. Jordan Howard had his best first half of the year, but that was partially because they kind of had that game plan, I think, going into it. Um, I'm still a little bit concerned with their lack of ability to run the ball in between the tackles, especially with Jordan Howard. I'm not really sure at this point if that's on Jordan Howard. He doesn't or if look that's right on. at the same time. He was he broke one, I think they were on like the 13, 12, 13-yard line, and he hit a nice one off the left side, and – he looked flat-footed. It was him and a defender, and he got wrapped up. He was trying to throw a stiff arm, missed with a stiff arm. He looked slow, like the like the burst really wasn't there. He hadn't but, looked right all, all year, honestly. Yeah. And I'm not sure if that's something that he's dealing with, if that's honestly, emotionally, mentally, he doesn't really want to be here because he knows he's not that much of a fit and they had all that drama in the offseason. I really don't know what it is, but I hope they can get that figured out because I know he's not the feature part of this offense like he's been the last two years, but when right, when playing well, when – this offense is churning as at its most efficient. He's going to be an important part of that run game, but it's just not the way they used to run the ball. The pass game is going to open up that run game for them a little bit. He's kind of got to be patient. I don't know, get back to what he was the last couple of years, even though the style might not be as conducive to that. I think um, in looking at it, if we're looking at just from a number standpoint, Jordan Howard this season, 178 attempts, 612 yards. He's still averaging 3.4 a pop, so it's not like he's uh, it's not like he's regressed terribly. But he is a career 4.3 yards per carry. Yeah, he's a, he was back to back thousand yard season guy. I mean, he's yes. clearly not on pace for that unless he you know has really good last you know four games, which is possible. He's not getting there yet. But at the same time, if we're looking at, if you give me two seconds here, I just kind of want to see sure. from a from a touch standpoint. In 2017, he touched it 76 times. In 2016, he touched it 252 times. This year, he's on pace to get his touches 237 times. He's about he's going to be about 20 yards short of his touches if he stays on pace here. So, oh. if you look at the numbers. He is still eaten. He, he's just not getting. He's not falling forward, and that's the difference between a seven yard, seven hundred yard season and a thousand yard season. When mm-hmm. you add up all those touches, you know. Yeah, uh, I, I think part of it too, for me at least, is after Kyle Long has has been out. I think that's something that's not getting mm-hmm. enough credit, uh, enough public. Not know, publicity is the right word, but since I'm looking at it right now in Pro Football Reference, he, he still had some decent games in yards per average, but he's got two of them where. Against both against Detroit, who is as bad as they are defensively, they do have a yeah. pretty solid front seven, pretty good defensive line. He's got two games where he's averaging under two yards a carry. He's got a couple where he's averaging under three and a half yards a carry. So I, I can't underestimate the loss of Kyle Long and how much I know. I know the Bears' two backup linemen, uh, Witzman and Kush, are guys that they like. But again, those are guys that you like as you know a sixth lineman who has to fill in for a game here. They're not. You know, your new starting guard for hopefully just eight weeks and then we get Kyle Long back towards the playoffs. But I think that has an effect on this too. Yeah, that's that's a good point. But uh, And the other guard is the, a 21-year-old rookie lineman who's still kind of learning his way in the league, who's going to be good. Well, again, he's, he's going to have some rookie moments. Regardless of who's on the field, taking the field this Sunday night, they're going to have to bring it because they're getting the NFL's best and it's an opportunity to make a statement against the Los Angeles Rams on your home turf. Uh, Vegas has got it as a close one. It's a three-point game, according to the Sharks, uh, our friends out in the desert. So uh, that gives me a little bit of solace because they're never too far off. Mm -hmm. But uh, this is one where you can really position yourself not only uh, to win the division, but to 
gain some national notoriety. Not that the Bears haven't gotten their due credit this year or, or Bears fans should feel slighted, but uh, it, it's no doubt a statement game. You're set up to say, hey, the NFC might go through L.A. physically, but it comes through us mentally because we got this win over them. Yeah, this isn't, uh, I mean, if they won last week, this would still hold some some water for the, you know, try and get a first-round bye. With last week happening, I mean, a lot would have to go right, fall the Bears' way for that to happen. I just don't see it happening anymore. This is a, like you said, a, a statement game kind of not only to the rest of the league, but also to themselves that, you know, mm-hmm. they've kind of arrived, that they're here, that they're not just some team who's been, you know, good but rolling over bad teams. This is a, a huge mentality type game for the Bears and, and it's it's a building block game type for, for a franchise that's growing, that's trying to make their way in the league, that's trying to announce themselves as, you know, the next one. You have to win some of these games. Or you at least yeah. have to be very competitive and give yourself a chance. And the Rams have been a different team on the road. Uh, they're, they're not, they're still very dangerous, still very solid, but they haven't been the same team away from home. They looked beatable in Detroit last week. It was close till they mm-hmm. kind of pulled away at the end. This is a game at home on Sunday night in front of your fans with your weather, uh, bear weather, bear down. It's uh, gonna be it's gonna be thirty four with a six mile fair. an hour it's, wind. I it's, looked at it yesterday. It's, it's Midwest still a, weather. It's still a Cal. You know what? But you know what I mean. It's a California team coming to a night game in a cold city. It's, it's something yeah. that you're gonna have to take advantage of. And if you want your home field advantage to mean something, like I, I know they do, uh, these are the types of games you have to go out and win. Kind of start building that reputation that you know you don't just come into Soldier Field and win tough games. Don't matter who you are. Rain, sleet, or snow, you got to protect your home field. I, I, I completely agree with you there. <laughs> Um, not to completely spin, not to spin the wheels here, but are you comfortable Mitch coming into this game on a three week hiatus now? You know, I think I am, but I I guess I don't, I won't really know until I see it. I I know that's the easy way out here, the quest, but we've never really seen him have to, you know, come off an injury, sit a couple weeks and get back into it. I like to think that, you know, he's played enough games in the NFL now where, you know, sitting out two weeks is more of just a rest for him than it is anything. But I I, I honestly won't know until we kind of start seeing him see what he looks like. So I, the, I guess the, that does mean I'm concerned then. The ping pong say. the ping pong stroke looked good. So Shout out Josh Bell. Yeah, what are, what are we doing here? What are we – I mean, he's not – I'm not going to be the, oh, you could play ping pong, you could play football guy, but maybe if you're going to be playing ping pong with Prince of Mukamura a couple days after sitting out in a terrible loss to the Giants, well, have your have your buddies put their yeah. phones away. I mean, if you think it was his decision to not play <laughs> against the Giants, I think you're sorely mistaken. No, I, I think that was, was made for him. I think that was definitely yes, – Nagy said that he wanted to play two weeks ago. You yeah. know, that's that, – I don't put any of that on Mitch. Uh, but – uh, of course, my favorite player in the world is is Josh Bellamy, and he's just showing why again. You know, you know, doing just doing some really smart stuff, filming their 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 star quarterback. You know, doing some stuff with that right shoulder. He's they just, do he's, love he's him smart. on that roster, though. I if you don't follow know any of the guys why. on Instagram, I don't care. He's not good like, at football. Tariq and all of them. They call him Unk and Grandpa, which is like they, they give him his OG respect. They call That's him, great. He's, he's the OG kind of there. He still kind of stinks. <laughs> Oh yeah, he does. He you'll, you'll, you'll never get an argument from me there, man. Yeah, but thank you. Uh, glad Bears, we, glad we can Bears and the Rams. <laughs> Bears and the Rams coming up Sunday night should be a good one, uh, and we'll have plenty to talk about next week on the tail end of hopefully a, uh, a big time win in the NFC playoff picture. Matt, uh, let's touch just briefly on it because what. what what more is there to be said? Sure. Fred Hoiberg, no longer the coach of the Chicago Bulls. Give me the uh, NBC Sports Chicago insider slant on this. Why now? What, what are that, what are that's the, kind of the question? What's Mark Shinowski saying about this? Honestly, I think that's kind of the question. Even everybody in the office was was asking for the most part. Yeah. Um, and maybe if we're lucky after the uh, the first couple weeks of the Jim Boylan era, we can kind of get Mark on here and, and have him answer some of these questions for us. Um, but I. I I think the reasoning was, I mean, they must have had some people in that locker room or they must have the pulse of that locker room and just know that, you know, it's not about wins and losses with this group, but it's about effort. And if they weren't seeing that effort, if they weren't seeing that drive from the group under Fred, uh, there's no point in letting this drag on because it is a young group and you can't let them form habits, Joe, Joe, because habits form men or men Mm -hmm. form habits, habits form Mm -hmm. futures and the Bulls don't Mm want to, didn't want to let that happen. Love uh, that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. I think it's I, too I was, late I, for that. I was but proud go of that. on. I was proud of that drop, <laughs> that Eschism I just threw in there. Um, I, I don't because, I, I again, it was one game, but I watched last night. I watched them 
pretty much the entirety of the game with the exception of the first couple minutes of the first quarter. That was a different compete level than I think I've seen all year, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And for as, as much crap as this team takes for being a bad defensive team, they mm-hmm. held an NBA team to under 100 points last night, which that doesn't happen all that often anymore. And they looked, the, the, the effort was there. The rebounding was there. Uh, it just They, they kind of ran out of gas. And quite honestly, they ran out of gas because they're not used to competing that hard. They, they went all out in the first half, and they kind of ran, you know, gas ran out of the tank in the second half. But it looked like a different compete level, and I'm, I'm hoping that's not just the initial surge from a new head coach and that that seems like the guy that – Jim Boylan wants to be that the type of coach that he is, so I, I think he can bring a re, bring a renewed energy to this year, this team. Also, doesn't hurt that Laurie Markkinen's back, but uh, it looked like a better effort last night and, and hopefully a rejuvenated team. So that's me. That's my basketball analysis, which is always spot on. Yeah, I. Uh, you were drinking I some coffee nothing. there, weren't you? Uh, no, I got nothing for the Bulls. They're that's they're fair. a bad team. They are. They're they're a long way off from being competitive. I said it before the season. I don't know why you don't fire your coach, you know, in July, but here we are. And I don't think this is, you know, you, you want to put bricks on top of bricks and you want to move in the right direction and all these other cliches, but you can't do that if the wrong guy's at the helm. That's the only justification I see here is mm-hmm. that if we're going to move forward, just take this thing down to the studs and, and let's put together a new blueprint. I think it, I think that's what I'm taking away from like a logical standpoint from this move, but this is not a franchise that has been run with logic no. for the longest time. I mean, this so is, this could, this is a, I think this is just an albatross in the middle of the seat. We need to do something, fire them. And there's no plan beyond that. And it's a shame because you can't draw up that blueprint if there's no architect in the room and I don't think there's an architect in the room and I'm done with the extended metaphor, but uh, it's a captain without a ship. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. It, it, honestly, a ship without a captain, a captain without a ship. Well, oh, th- those God. exist too. Um, Hoiberg's now a captain without a ship. Yeah. You know, either stick it out the year with Fred and honestly be bad enough where you're mm-hmm. going to just lose all those games or, you know, at the beginning of the season, make that call. Um, I, I guess, I, they did it earlier rather than later in the season, but honestly, I, I don't really know what the think what the thought process is. Why this was done so early? Maybe they liked Fred and wanted to give him next, you know, one last chance, which again is a problem in and of itself. If mm-hmm. it's what big shocker, Jerry Reinsdorf franchise is, you know, leaning more on loyalty than they are on logic. I mean, that's kind of been their big issue. This is now Garpax's fifth, I think, head coach they've hired. So they and they fired all of them. So. You know that that's. Yeah. I'm not sure why they keep getting these chances, but I think that's because of loyalty. Um, but I, a little bit to the other. I guess we'll see. I think Jim Boylan's going to be a solid head coach. He has experience under some really, really good head coaches as, as an assistant, and uh, seems hadn't like he heard has his to, name until last week. So, oh, I mean, well, in in fairness, you haven't lived in Chicago the last couple. That's, yeah, that's fair. I mean, he's, I, guess, he's yeah, got, I, I don't know. I don't know many assistant coaches across the league. Yeah, that's, that's, that's also, he's got some experience under pop. He won a title there in San Antonio. He won two in Houston back in the nineties when they were there. He's coached at Michigan state under Tom Izzo. So he, he's got some experience under, he's a very qualified. The resume looks good. Coach. I built the yeah. resume last night on a graphic. It looks very good. Look at you. Um, speaking of looking good uh, or lack thereof, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks looking for their first win since November 24th. I believe it's five straight losses. They sit uh, in third to last in the Western Conference with yeah, 23 just... points. But at the same time, only seven, eight points out of that uh, out of that eight spot. So yeah. uh, do we see any sort of push from them? Or is there any midseason life or is this? There, there can be, I guess. I mean, the new playoff format kind of gives everybody some life because the Hawks don't necessarily have to compete in just their division, if that makes sense. Yeah. There's just two wild card spots for both. Um, I guess the, the silver lining you can look back on is like they've just they've been doomed by bad starts to games, but mm-hmm. after that, like they, they've actually picked things up and been competitive. You know, the last fifty minutes of the hockey game. Uh, but again, that's that's an issue, and you know, the first ten count as much as the next fifty. Uh, they, they they've been slow to start, but honestly, Joe, I, I don't really know. Um, I don't. I've watched a lot less Blackhawks hockey the last couple of weeks because I feel like I know the outcome, and I think that's a problem because, you know, I 
I'm as big of a Blackhawks fan, a hockey fan, as, as I know. And if I'm not really all that interested in tuning in to watch the team, um, that's an issue. I've tuned in a little bit since the trade and checked out the two new guys they, they've got who both look like they're going to be maybe not major pieces, but nice, you know, complimentary pieces. But at the same time, I mean, there, there's just they're not going to be able to compete in this division. They're not going to win it. They It's, it's almost looking forward to the offseason and seeing what they can do then uh, because this season – Sure, they can compete if they get hot because if as long as you have nineteen eighty eight and fifty on that team, you know you never really know what can happen. They're all capable yeah, of putting the team about, on their back for a stretch. But, but what about fifty? Because I'm looking at fifty stat line. Yeah, I'm not in I, this I, Joe, four, in this four Joe, game skid right now. He's given up six, six, four, Joe, and four. It, so it ain't on him. I, I it, sometimes you know you you want your goalie to have one back, but it, this this is not on fifty. This is on. How thin they are on the blue line! How literally they yeah. have nothing. I love Duncan Keith. Duncan Keith is now at the point of his career where he's a thirty-five-year-old. He's a number two defenseman. He's a number. Put he's him. a great number three. He's a good number two. Put he's, him in the he's not, he's not really a number one. <laughs> he's just he's not. Yeah. That happens when you turn thirty-five, and that's they didn't really have a, a plan for this. They didn't really have. They didn't bring in an heir apparent, and the next guy. I mean, Henry Okihari is going to be a nice player, but he's nineteen. He's going to make stupid mistakes. The guys behind them, I mean, Brandon Manning's terrible. He can't skate. Eric Gustafson is a number six on a good team, and he can skate really well, but he's more of your offensive guy. He's not going to give you much defensive responsibility. Uh, they have nothing on the blue line, and Corey Crawford's just getting hung out to dry, and it doesn't help that with this new head coach, with this new system, they've switched defensive systems. Uh, they've gone from more of a zone approach to a man approach, and you got guys learning new things. There's going to be some communication issues. There's going to be some lost men. Corey Crawford's not to blame here. He's still an elite goaltender. Um, he is just getting absolutely no help. He's getting absolutely hung out to dry. I like it. It's fair. And again, if, well if, you're, out. if you're him and you're getting to that point you're in this season uh-huh. where you know you're getting hung out to dry, it's human nature to just kind of, after two goals go in that you've been hung out to dry, like, okay, this one's over. Like it, yeah. a, a guy like that, Corey Crawford's a little bit of a hothead at times. That's who he's been his entire career. He's going to get angry and he's going to, kind of lose, lose focus, lose confidence again a little bit in his guys, then he's going to try and start overcompensating. That leads to more mistakes. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I think you touched on it there very nicely. It's compounded mistakes, and uh, we always look to those guys in Kane, Taze, Crawford, Keith to right the ship. And if you're saying certain guys are over the hill and other guys are losing focus, we'll – I think you answered my first question yeah. of are we going to see a mid-season push? I, I highly doubt it. I, yeah. I, I would never, I'll, I'll never write off this team completely as long as those guys are still in the lineup. But in years past when they've done it, they've had some complimentary pieces. And this year, they just they don't have the complimentary pieces. They don't have the defense. It's Matt, we've spent happen. plenty of time on the winless duo uh, that call. Let's talk about Matt good teams that I like. Home. Uh, let's jump into a little college football playoff. You hey, a little yeah, Notre Dame made ball. I'm going to be Notre honest Dame with you. It. I was a little bit nervous. That some, yeah, when they started talking gonna... about the like out of sight, out of mind. When they're like, stuff. oh, like, no, know, no, 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 no. Georgia could, you know, Georgia could come here. You know, in <laughs> Vegas, Notre Dame would be underdogs against all three of those teams. Oh, uh, if there was a two-loss Georgia team and over in the South Bend would burn. And I'm, I'm not only glad to see that they got in, but that they were given the three seed as well, and they, that they weren't yeah, sent out to pasture against Bama. Yeah, I mean they. They got what they deserved, and I think that was a three seed. I know people; their schedule didn't turn out to be as tough as people might have thought it was. It's yeah, but they can only play their schedule. Yeah. They can't quite play honestly, the other team's I mean, schedule. If you look at who they played, it wasn't any less tough for the most part than what Ohio State had to do, uh, than what mm-hmm. the, what Oklahoma had to do for the most part. I, th- those big games was big. I know Ohio State's schedule kind of got boosted by some big wins by Michigan State being ranked at the time, but Michigan State, anybody who watched them play football knows they kind of stink. Yeah, they were no good uh, this year. They had the same common opponent, and while the score wasn't as flashy in Notre Dame's win, uh, mm-hmm. They did it with Brandon Wimbush at quarterback without Dexter Williams, and two of the touchdowns, the Michigan's two touchdowns were a kick return before half and a garbage time touchdown to cut it twenty four seventeen. So, um, are we in agreement that the committee got it right? Yeah, 100%. I, I think this was. I think this 100%. was the most cut and dry year. I think that the only really fan. I think Ohio State fans even know that. Uh, even, Oh, the, you, you, I think you lay an egg like that in West Lafayette, and you're out of the conversation. Georgia fans might have had a little thorn in their side because of the way that they played in the SEC title game, but 
excuse me. I, uh, I had a, I was doing a little radio spot yesterday and we were talking about the same topic and it came up the fact that if, if these games aren't worth anything, if it's just a eye test on a, a, a marquee matchup that you're, that's going to make you decide to let a two win team in, why are you even playing the games? You're yeah. de-incentivizing regular season wins. Because people put said, a two win team in. Either, it shouldn't be the four best teams going into the college football playoff. It should be the four teams that earn their way into the college football playoffs by playing their schedule. I think best team, I mean, I think it should be the four most deserving teams, like you said. After and then, and then you know, if you have an Oklahoma and you have an Ohio State, the best State, team doesn't always win yeah, exactly. the World Series. If you, the if best you have, team doesn't always win the Super Bowl. If you, know? you have it's, those two teams that you know have very similar resumes, then okay, who do I think is the better team out of these two? And if you think it's Oklahoma, then they go in. But like, like you said, Ohio State, hey, you you can't lose by twenty nine to a six and six team. I don't care if it was in a tough environment on the road. You just can't do that. And then just, I mean, you look at the rest of their resume. You look at it. I mean. The, the win against Michigan was incredibly impressive. They looked fantastic. They were the better team from, from start to finish, and it wasn't really even close. But you can't just look at one game when you have an entire sample size. You have to look at the entire sample size. And the fact is, throughout that entire season, especially when uh, after Nick Bosa uh, went down and then didn't come back to the team, they were not one of the best teams in the country. They, they needed overtime and a dropped pass on a two-point conversion to beat Maryland. I mean, they, yeah. that, that's who they were. That's more of who they were. And as impressive as they looked towards the end of the year when they got it together, it was too little too late. You, you got to get it together a little bit earlier than that. I think Oklahoma was very deserving. And while their defense isn't good, their defense has shown that they can make plays when they really, really need to, that they're capable of stepping up in big times. And I think they showed that against Texas. Uh, the, the safety, the interception, all that stuff, that they showed out when they really had to, even though they still had Allowing whatever it was like twenty seven points, uh, they still made the big play when they had to. Uh, now looking forward, Matt, with these two matchups, uh, what do you? Obviously, there's going to be a bias uh, on. Uh, I think on the Irish the win both games by double digits. Irish by double digits. Both okay, games. both games. both games. So they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna play both first round games. Yes. Um, but uh, what's your what's your national championship match matchup? I'm I'm gonna go a rematch 2013, Joe. I got I gotta pick the Irish, and I gotta yeah. I, I gotta pick Alabama. Um, I think Clemson's probably the better team, mm-hmm. um, and there's really no rational reason for me to pick Notre Dame. You just gotta uh, put it out in the I, ether. You yeah, gotta. I, I mean, I yeah. think what they have going for them is anybody who watched Notre Dame. I think we talked about it last week after that USC game. That was an exhausted team, uh, mm-hmm. I, and I think this is a team that is going to benefit more than any other. They've had an extra week. Uh, not having the conference championship game, but having these 30-whatever-it-is days off I think is going to be incredibly helpful for them. But, I, I mean, the key matchup for me is, is going to be Notre Dame's passing game, and, and that's the entirety of it, the the pass blocking um, and the Ian Book's ability to pick apart what's maybe the one weakness Clemson has is that secondary. Uh, and if they can put up some points that way and they can keep the quarterback protected against probably the best front four in, in all of college football, they're going to have a real shot to win that game. If they can't do either of those things, uh, obviously it's going to be a, a struggle. And the fact that Clemson's starting a true freshman quarterback, um, I know he's incredibly talented and he's going to be one of the best in college football, and he already is really, really good. Um, but those guys can get rattled if you can get to them early, if you can get a takeaway early, if you can get them in a tough situation. Um, I think those are going to be keys for Notre Dame and then Alabama. I'm just – I'm not going to pick against Alabama. Yeah, it's I yeah. love Oklahoma. Their offense is going to be fun. They're probably going to put up 30, 40 points. But Oklahoma or Alabama's probably going to put up fifty-five. Yeah, I think we're on the on the same page there. Uh, picking ND because you you kind of have, have to. to. I'm not, I can't and not. Uh, picking Bama because uh, until until you tell me otherwise, Bama until uh, proven otherwise. Exactly, exactly. A very a very patriot esque approach. But yeah. uh, I think that this year, and we touched on it, I think last week or the week before on the pod, Matt. This is going to be the most exciting. Heisman vote we've seen. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be the closest Heisman vote. It's been the first time in a while it hasn't been decided pretty much by by now. For the, uh, yes, yeah. I, I completely agree with you. Uh, with that said, you're getting a hypothetical Heisman vote. Where's it going? I know last week I came out and said Tua, but uh, I think what I saw championship weekend. Jalen Hurts now wins Heisman. Swayed me, <laughs> <laughs> swayed me a different direction uh, because I think not only did Kyler Murray. None of these guys have had a moment. And for me, 
Heisman Trophy is awarded to stats and moments. And if you look at the stats, Kyler Murray's got 5,000 5, all-purpose with 51 touchdowns. Tua's got something like 3,500 all-purpose with 40-something touchdowns. And yes, he didn't play the fourth quarter of, of most games. That to be held against them. We only have we only have the sample size that we've been given. So if, if this thing's about the Heisman, then play all four quarters. It's kind of my thought process there. But what really swayed me was the play of Dwayne Haskins. I think Dwayne Haskins is going to steal some votes from both of those guys. Yeah. and I think it's going. I'm glad he brought even, that up because I was going. I think to. it's going to even the field a little bit because Dwayne Haskins, from a number standpoint, is the superior quarterback. Dwayne Haskins, from a playing on Sunday standpoint, is the superior quarterback. Now, whether the voters factor those type of things in and end up choosing Dwayne Haskins, even though his team again lost to Purdue in West Lafayette and laid an egg mm-hmm. and got rolled over. I think that works against him. But I think Dwayne Haskins is going to kind of uh, level the play- playing field between Tua and Kyler Murray. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And I mean, if you want to go on stats and moments, uh, I think it's too late. for like Kind of like the team, Ohio State, but a little bit too late, too little too late for Dwayne Haskins. But talk mm-hmm. about stats and moments, he's got both of those. He's got 47 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. I'm looking, he's got over 4,500 passing yards. I know he set, I think, Big Ten records in both of those areas. And he's... He's got that moment in the Michigan game where he, you know, rivalry game against the, you know, they were underdogs at home and he just went out and absolutely torched them. So he mm-hmm. probably has the moment more than anybody, but I think with, you know, the hype Oklahoma's offense is getting, how good they've been, how efficient Kyler Murray's been, and, and with Tua kind of stumbling in the SEC championship game where he had a chance for that moment and didn't really grasp yep. it, uh, I think Kyler's probably your guy. I think so as well. That mm-hmm. that second half, and, and, you know, again, hard to hold the injury against the guy, but I don't care why you're not on the field. Yeah. If you're not on the field, you can't make the play. It's hard to win a Heisman. I'm totally with you. I think that's simple math right mm-hmm. there. That's, that's, yeah, they teach that in second grade. And now, Matt, we talked about having a bit of a production meeting earlier on in the show. I think we're going to have to have one here. Okay. Uh, you want to do a little restructuring of our lock of the week bet. You're mailing it in. Okay, yeah, you I, lost I, I'm a last Matt, week. After, I won. After I lost last week, after the way that Buffalo lost it for me, I uh-huh. just I, I'm fully okay with admitting this is not my year. It just it, okay. it wasn't going for me. It's not going well. And I just I I'm I'm big I'm a big enough person to admit that. But for the interest of the podcast and for the interest mm-hmm. of, you know, me letting you double or nothing our golf bet out of the goodness of my heart. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to offer you the option of let's go, you know, let's figure out a double or nothing type format here for the either the next five weeks of the NFL, or we can, you know, incorporate bowl season into we can do the, like the next five weeks in the New Year's six games. See how okay. we feel about that. Something along those lines, but I think it's more entertaining for our our, our listeners, our viewers, our fans, Joe. If you you know if you allow this double or nothing bet to kind of go on, whereas well, if, if I win, it's, I think, it's, it's I a think wash. Darren- if you win, it's it's two boxes of golf balls. I think therein lies the problem is you're worrying about entertaining. And I think in this segment, you need to inform oh, oh no, more than you need to entertain. Me, I think very, you've been trying, trying to be trying entertaining. To inter- sorry for trying to entertain our fans. You're, you're right. I, I think is, lock yeah. of the week. I think lock of the week, the people just want a good tip. I you don't know? think so. I, I think, think they, they just want some hot steam. Content. All right. Well, I'm sitting at eight and five. You're sitting at five and eight. You're waving the white flag. I'm currently up one dozen golf balls. We're wiping the slate clean to zero Swiped. and zero. It's wiped. There's wiped. nothing on the slate. Zero and zero. Looking and at a blank you, whiteboard. And you want to take this through New Year's Six. Correct? Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's fair. I think we could do uh, we'll, we'll pick you know a lock of the week each year for the next five weeks the or for the rest of the NFL season, and we can each take with three New Year's Six games that we like. I like it. Okay. So it'll be a an eight an eight game bet. Um, winner winner take all mm-hmm. or no. You take nothing if you win. Yeah, I, I, take, take, I take absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how double Out of the works. kindness okay. of my heart. Okay, I, I like that format. Yeah, so we're going to move good. forward at 0-0 zero and zero with uh, eight, eight games to pick. We're going to pick for the rest of the NFL regular season plus Now I can still six. pick a college game yes, for the rest of the NFL that's season. Just, that's just yeah. the schedule. Okay. Yes. Yes. So, wanted so we'll be picking the next one, two, three, four weeks, the four I remaining wait weeks. I to make my lock of the week a, like the cheese it Bowl. And win <laughs> the four remaining weeks, and then we are going to pick the three of the six New Year's six. Yeah, correct. Three of your choice mm-hmm. sounds good. Um, All righty. Well, this week uh, let's let's jump into our picks. Matt, you got a you got a little tip for the people. Again, I, Matt was five and eight on the season. 
but five and eight. It was Hall of Fame numbers if you're playing. In baseball. fairness, I started on four. Okay, so yeah. got better. It got hot. Clearly it got, got hot. better. Got hot towards the end. And like a lot of my losses, if you look at my losses, were I don't want to say I was on the right side because technically I wasn't, but I was kind of on the right bet. It just went very, very wrong, and I lost in a, you know a bad beat. Like that, mm-hmm. a lot of these mm-hmm. were bad beats. Mm-hmm. Joe, mm-hmm. that's what I'm. No saying. one wants to hear you justify. They want to hear your pick. Buffalo Matt. had a twenty had a nineteen point lead the way through the third quarter. <laughs> All right, you won't do it. So I'm going to give my pick for this okay, week. Sorry. I'm going back to the well. Chiefs at home. I got the Chiefs laying six and a half against the Baltimore Ravens at home. Okay, I I, 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 I like that. Baltimore's offense isn't what it used to be. Um, defense is solid, but I think defense that, is uh, solid, but so is Patrick Mahomes week in that offense. Another without Kareem Hunt, they figure out how they need to succeed. I yeah, think, and uh, it's they not take like another step forward. it's not like Spencer Ware is a uh, is a slouch back there either. He's he's a very no, solid, capable backup. He didn't necessarily come into it seamlessly uh, this past week. But got to get his legs under him, and we'll see what happens. Joe, I'm going to get patriotic, okay? No, oh, of course. I'm going to get patriotic. We have one of the best college football games of the season on Saturday. Uh, Quite honestly, it's the last regular season one, so you got to get, you know, you, you got to take advantage of this one while you still can. Uh, it's it's kind of like grasping to what's left of college football, like holding on, like don't go, please stay. This is your game for it. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I want to make this perfectly clear. I am not fading the United States Navy. I love the Navy. <laughs> never a good choice. I will never fade them. They protect me. They protect the the, the coasts. They they're they're fantastic. Uh, JJ Marin, if you listen, I love you, buddy. Um, Shout out. I'm I'm going to take uh, the United States Army minus seven okay. uh, in in the in the Army Navy game. Navy hasn't really been great. Army looks like a pretty pretty darn good team, and I think we're going to see that. After how many was like 16 straight years in Navy, uh, I think we're going to see it start to flip a little bit here with Army. I, I'm on board with Army minus seven. If you saw those uniforms, there's no way they're losing this football game, and I don't think it's going to be by you know less than seven. Good uniforms, good pick. Uh, by the way, Matt, I, I play Pro B one X's just so you know. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. I don't care. <laughs> I got plenty um, of right. time to figure that one out, Joe. Beautiful. We got Beautiful. weeks well, on weeks are- here. Those are your locks of the weeks. Before we say goodbye, let's jump in a little buy or sell. Hit some topics here, Matt. Why don't you start us off? Okay. Uh, big big news of the of yesterday, really. Uh, the rumor was was floating around with Urban Meyer retiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he finally made that official yesterday. Said he's done coaching for good, or he believes he's done coaching for good. I believe was the exact quote. I don't buy it. I don't think you buy it. Um, mm-hmm. But what I'm going to ask is if you buy or sell. He's back coaching within two football seasons. So by the end of two. the twenty twenty, so not this year. You know, back. You, you know, you know what I mean. Within two. So seasons. you're saying he takes a job either next year or the following. Yeah. So either this, not this, uh, like next off season or the off season uh-huh. after. Um, I'm gonna sell. I think it's the year after that. Okay. That he comes back. I think that, and, and I'm not gonna like forecast his health here, uh, but he did say that health reasons amongst other things were uh the main reason for stepping down and i think it's going to take him a while to get right you're talking about a cyst on the brain you're talking about a guy who's finally putting family before football who's finally putting himself before football i think it might take some time to get figured out urban meyer uh, he's he's not old when you're speaking relative to other coaches uh, you know across college football across all sports. Urban Meyer's 54 years old, so three years from now, he's still a spring chicken at 57. Mm -hmm. I think he comes back maybe three, four years from now. Um, He's always going to be a fantastic coach. One of the greatest of all time, if you're putting all the um, you know, headlines and other things aside, he's a career 85 win percentage guy. Mm-hmm. He's got three national titles to his name, should have four if it wasn't for a uh, sanction that came down before he was even at the school. Yeah, um, They were the best team in football in 2012. He, he's a fantastic coach and he will continue to be, but as you said, he has retired. He retired on December 6, 2009, on December 8, 2010, and then on December 4, 2018. So I think that uh, we might see another retirement maybe 10 years off from now. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think he's back fairly soon. It, it might not be a year, but I think if by the end of next off, or whatever, two off seasons from now that he's mm-hmm. not back, I'd be a little bit surprised. 
especially with some of the jobs that might be coming available. I, I, I think the USC job is obviously one that, that sticks out. Clay Helton's always kind of walking on eggshells over there. And now if mm. they know they can go get a guy like Urban Meyer, they obviously have no shortage of money. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if the right offer popped up in the next couple of years and he decided to take it. But uh, yeah, so I, I guess we're, we're in different ways. We both me, think he'll be back. Give I me, just a, give me just a hypothetical landing place. Like where, where do you see him in the, in the guard, where does it make sense? USC uh, is is one that obviously sticks out to me because, like I said, I think Clay Helton is uh, not built to last there. Um, uh, another one that Matt, you, you just cut out there a little bit. Sure, I think you just uh, cut out there. Um, USC, uh, I think was my answer. I think that would be as much as I wouldn't like mm-hmm. to see him at USC. Uh, that that one it does stick out to me. Uh, one that I I know everyone loves at Orgeron. He, he's part of our closing. Uh, sounder here uh, i'm not sure. sure how long he's going to be at lsu and within you know two years if if they decide they want to go a different direction especially now if a guy like urban meyer is out on the market i wouldn't be shocked to see them throw a whole bunch of money at urban meyer i know it's be competing in the sec but be wild that that's one that you know kind of stuck in the back of my brain and then honestly uh, i'm not just saying this because i'm a notre dame fan but you know brian kelly's getting up there he's 60 you're going to be 60 i believe um and he's always had the there's always been the itch for him to go pro, and then you know, interest has kind of from that side been up and down. But I think it's kind of getting to the point where it's back up, and I don't think mm-hmm. it's going to be after this year. But if a year or two from now they keep doing what they're doing, I wouldn't be shocked to see him leave for a pro offer. I mean, he's been at Notre Dame for a long time now, longer than most coaches end up staying at Notre Dame. Uh, mm-hmm. So it wouldn't shock me if, if he left for a new challenge if that was an open spot for Urban. Because obviously he does have those ties there. I think all uh, logical takes. We uh, we should get ten percent if it if he hits any one of those universities. I'm sure Urban listens to the podcast, so I think mm-hmm. he'll do the right thing. Thoughts and prayers, Urban. Thoughts, Thoughts and, prayers. and prayers. Get better. Get better, uh, Matt. That was, I believe, the first buy or sell. So we're going to jump into my first one here. Yeah. Buy or sell. We're getting a little TMZ here. Oh. Buy or sell. The Philadelphia 76ers season is, by all intents and purposes, over. It's over. Due to the fact that Ben Simmons and Kendall Jenner are a confirmed couple. Yeah, it's it, done. It couple, if it's you will. Done. It's done. It's so over. You're a, you're They'll a make the playoffs because the East stinks. No, yeah. it's not really a, like a mythical the curse. Kardashian as curse? It is like those people just kind of like demand so much attention from you. Yeah. And like suck the life out of you almost that I just it's it's gonna take away from basketball and uh, I think his mind's going to be elsewhere for a while. Didn't wasn't they already dating before and then she like publicly it was a, it was a summer it was a summer tryst it was a summer then, tryst I, I think I would be the best way to put it. I I don't I don't like it I don't think it's good for the Sixers. Jimmy Butler needs to step in, uh, you know, divide the two, separate them, say no, we're not doing this because we all know Jimmy's a great leader and a great locker room mm-hmm. guy. Everybody loves mm-hmm. him, um, so maybe he needs to step in. Divide them and then step in and yeah. then end up dating Kendall Jenner. Correct. I think uh, in the, but the, Jimmy would wait till the off season. Yes. Yes. Because he's a competitor. Yeah, and, and then he lives in LA in the do. off season. See, I don't. I think that I think that Philly's fine because it's the Kardashian curse. She's a Jenner, different blood, different voodoo. I think they should be fine. It's kind of the same blood though. Like yeah, it's half the same. I don't know how that works. I don't either. I'm not a scientist. I, I need to see DNA DNA tests. Yeah, I don't. Let's 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 switch topics. We we don't know what yeah. we're talking about here. Yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Joe, I need. I'm actually. You were so good uh, in the locks oh. week this year that I need to. I'm going to ask you for some gambling advice. I'm going to buy or sell here. I should switch up my gambling strategy and mm-hmm. solely bet on Oklahoma State because there was an article. I just I saw it on ESPN.com this morning that Mike Gundy reimbursed a, a local radio radio uh, personality in Oklahoma City. $250, a bet that he placed in Vegas on the over eight wins for Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State finished 6-6. Six and six. They didn't do that. Mike Gundy cut this guy a $250 check. So maybe, maybe if I just bet on Oklahoma State and every time they don't cover, there's, they don't win, I just no send Mike lose. Gundy my, my bet slips and then he reimburses so me. You invoice Mike Gundy yeah, every I time you lose. Yeah, I should just solely bet on Oklahoma State because that, I, I feel I like this I fully buy that. A, yeah. I fully I feel buy like that. It, if he does this for this guy, he's got to do it for me. I'm a. I think with the, with a mullet like that, we're radio personalities. On, we have a podcast. You can count on <laughs> you can count on uh, Gundy to come through for you. I not a bad, so too. not a bad betting. He's got he's got that T Boone Pickens money. He can tweak. afford it. Yeah, he, Pickens money. <laughs> he's got that money. He's got the he's got the Texas oil money. He could pay me. 
a little bit of Texas tea. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not throwing tea, around nearly as much as, as he you know can't afford. Matt, so I, I think said, you might I'm be on something there. State. This is the smartest thing I've ever said on this podcast. It's a foolproof plan. The bar's low. Uh, we're going to keep things in wow. the betting. We're going to keep things in the betting realm for the final buy or sell here, and it's not going to be a buy or sell. It's going to be more of an over under, not more of a. It's so you are buying that I should change my bet gambling strategy. Which yeah, is, yeah, okay. yeah. Want to get change the official answer there? Okay, change it all. Buy. Put me down for buy. Good. Uh, Matt bears over under with the Rams fifty one and a half. How do you see this game going? Buy or sell? Just to pose it as a buy or sell. Buy or sell the over. I'm going to buy the over. I think the Bears' defense is very good, and I think they'll play well in the first half, but I, I do think you'll see the Rams kind of do some scoring in the second half, and I think the Bears' offense under Mitch is going to do what the Bears' offense does because L.A.'s defense is fine, nothing great, and if they can, can you know contain that front seven, just to, that not even the front seven, the front four, um, and protect Mitch a little bit, get him rolling outside, I think you're going to take Aaron Donald out of the game a little bit with, with the game plan. Uh, and I think the Bears will be able to do what they do offensively. So I, I see this going uh, over 51, like 31, 28, something like that. I like it. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be right around Bears, that number course. as well. Bears, 31, 38, 31, 28. Yeah. Bears by a million. Shout out Cody Parkey. It's a game-winning field goal. Uh, don't even. I, I just got nervous when you said Cody Say what Parkey. you want about Cody Parkey. He had the bad game against Detroit that they won going away. He had a Other nice hopper. That, he had been, a nice hopper on that onside which, kick. Did you see Odell Beckham's alligator arms on that? He just oh, he completely scared. turtled. He, it was hysterical. He did not want to go to the He ground. wanted was, nothing to yeah. do with going for that ball or Daniel Brown, which is weird <laughs> from a guy who already signed his massive extension. So at this point, who cares? Um, yeah. But that was hysterical. Yeah. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, you got anything else for the people before we say bye-bye? Uh, wow. That's such a loaded question. I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thank you all for supporting Wishfest. Those of you who did, yeah, those of you who came awesome out, it was turnout. a fantastic event. Uh, I, I had a great time. Uh, the, the acts were great. It was great seeing a lot of people over there. It's, it's always, it's, I know you haven't been able to go the last couple of years cause you've been out, but it's always kind of one of the few events every year, you know, you're going to see a lot of college people that you haven't seen in a while. So it's always nice mm-hmm. running into those people, but a uh, great time. I think they raised a ton of money. Events were, were fantastic. And, uh, it was always, always a great time. And on that same note, I will shut us down here, uh, with a tip oh, of the cap. Wait, you did music. you want to talk about your boxing, uh, the boxing, the fight? Deontay Wilder. Oh, we could talk. We could talk fight. I didn't uh, see. Honestly, I saw it ended in a draw. I was actually really happy it ended in a draw because I couldn't watch it because I was at Wishfest on Saturday. Now we're going to get a rematch, and I can order the rematch and watch it. Yeah, I watched the fight. Um, Everyone's up in arms about it being a draw, and it kind of made sense to me that it was a draw. And like, I don't know how to score boxing. A lot of people said Fury outfought him or outboxed him, but he just got knocked down. If you look at the punch numbers, Fury did outbox him. But boxing is graded round by round. And if you look at the first six rounds, Fury probably took four of them. Okay. And then you give Wilder, obviously, the two rounds where he has the knockdowns in the, I believe it was ninth and 12th. Mm-hmm. It was a very evenly matched fight, but you saw two guys implement their game plan, both of them successfully. Fury's a boxer. Fury's going to strategize. Fury's going to move his head. He's going to dance. He's going to lock you up. He's going to land punches that aren't going to do much damage but are going to score. And Deontay Wilder's the exact opposite. He's not going to land a lot of little jabs, but when he lands one on your ear, you're going to go down. So I think that was the reasoning that they called it a draw. I don't have a terrible problem with the draw other than the fact that we now don't get to see Anthony Joshua fight either of these guys because they're going to fight again. And then after that, Joshua is going to have a hard time because it's going to be whoever wins this second fight's call. They're going to call the fight. And if they don't want Joshua, then does the other guy get him? It's just, this is why boxing I said has no momentum is because mm-hmm. there's, there's no schedule. There's nothing to look forward to. It's all just throw it at the wall, see what sticks and what can we promote. And obviously a rematch is the easiest thing in the world to promote, especially coming off of a draw. So mm-hmm. for boxing, I, I think that it's good that we get to see these, these guys fight again, but it's not great for the momentum of the sports. Um, it's great that we have interesting heavyweight fights now, because I feel like the last couple of decades, it's just been like, welterweights, lightweights, you know, the Floyd Mayweather era, the Canelo Alvarez middleweight era. And that's fun because speed, but, you know, you're not seeing the knockouts, the knockdowns at the high rate that you do Mm -hmm. in the heavyweight um, division. And the fact that the heavyweight division's back with 
uh, three big names right now and some other guys just below them. I, I think it's good for boxing. Yeah, that's fair. But I'm glad you were able to kind of break down that fight because I did not get to watch it. And pretty yeah, much, if you go back and I, I didn't see I mean, much. Uh, it depends what edit you you watch if you're just going to watch highlights because obviously boxing you can edit it to make it look like anyone won the fight but uh, I, I think it was really close if i was to give the edge to someone i'd give it to fury but i mean two knockdowns two knockdowns two knockdowns something yeah so all right um, once you shut us down here you had something so i didn't, yeah, didn't yeah, mean yeah. to interrupt that music. shut it down shut it all down shut it down shut it down Houston, we have shut down i've seen enough shut it down a tip of the cap to uh, Nick Wisher, who was named the All-State AFCA Good Works team captain for the work that he's done with the Andrew Wisher Foundation in uh, keeping his his brother's memory and, uh, and request alive and well. What he's done in extending the uh, Andrew Wisher Foundation family to the Notre Dame family and, and crossing over and just growing this to to the heights that it's already gotten to and to the heights that it's going to go to. Mm -hmm. I I know on stage the other night, they said upwards of $850,000 already raised. And that number will continue to grow with uh, the great work that's being done by individuals like Nick Wisher and and all of the individuals that uh, that family and these people have surrounded themselves with. It's, it it warms my heart and it makes me happy uh, to know that that's being recognized now on a national stage. Uh, Not that it's for the recognition, but um, when you have, uh, Kirk Herb Street or whoever's going to read the copy about Andrew about Nick Wisher and Andrew Wisher and and the Andrew Wisher Foundation and Wish Forever. Um, that's going to open more eyes to the great work that they're doing uh, for pediatric cancer, and I think that can only make things go in the right direction. So, uh, a tip of the cap and a clap of the hand to Nick Wisher, the captain of the Allstate AFCA Good Works team. Yeah, like you said, obviously you don't do it for the you know, the exposure, the attention. You do it to help people, but this exposure mm-hmm. and this attention that is going to get is going to help you help people massive for them uh, in, in helping people out and getting you know assistance more assistance where it's needed. A big thank you to everyone that got out there and voted every day too. A big, a mm-hmm. big thank you because uh, this this didn't just happen. So great support from uh, the whole foundation and the whole uh, Wisher family and the whole Wisher team. So I believe Nick was there. the first uh, captain elected from Notre Dame ever. Right? That's the first time that's ever happened for a Notre Dame player. So I'll also do and if you're and if you're doing job. a if you're doing a first at Notre Dame, you know you've done something right because the history books are rich and they are long. Mm-hmm. That's all right. That's, a, that's a good point. That's that's. I got nothing. I got nothing more. You shut it down perfectly. That was uh, that was very well said. All right. Well, that's going to do it then for the Moose and Rooms podcast, episode eighty-three. As always, get at us on Twitter. We want to bring the mailbag back, but the mailbag has been empty. I'm looking at you, Barris. I'm looking at you, Jimmy Ganser. I'm looking at you, Parker Carroll. These are shout outs to some of the nearest and dearest. I'm looking at you, Chris Can't Swims. I'm looking at you, Rob Gallic. All of the people out there that are weekly listeners. You guys just got uh, put send on Send us blast. your questions. Yeah. Pew, pew. Okay. Yeah, pew, whatever pew. that means. I don't know what that that's means. A, that's, a, that's a gun noise, but like a playful gun noise. Okay. Pew, like pew, a, pew. Like, a, like okay. a laser tag gun. Pew, pew. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that's it. Who's yeah. in this podcast? <laughs> Episode 83 for Matt. I'm Joe. We'll see you guys next week. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.